Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and I have perfect vision. I'm all about transparency, and I can see right through your bullshit. (laughs) You guys, I feel like this is going to be just like a very, I just feel very kind of like chill and excited for this combo. So I I just have to say welcome to Andy's Girls. Welcome to the Clawfus, a new guest to the people's people's couch. You know her as a content creator whose focus is on plastic surgery procedures and pop culture with a little bit of sass. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Dana Omari Harold. Dana, how are we? Good. I'm in New York City. I'm so excited <laughs> to be here. So where are you journeying from? Where are you based? Houston. Yes, I'm a Southern girl. So this is like literally the perfect timing because we are going to be recording and taking it personally after this with a Houston focus. So I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on that. But in the meantime, I have to ask because I don't know that we've ever had this conversation before. So we connected over Instagram where you have like blown up so many followers. You'd really do combine a focus on really helping people who unbeknownst to them, might be having some misinformation about health and beauty and body. And so you really have become, I think, a resource for a lot of people. When did that journey begin for you? I mean, I've been in this space for a really long time. Um, I started out as a dietitian. I was working at med spas, became a med spa manager, started doing consulting work for plastic surgeons. And I just heard a lot of misinformation from my own patients and clients. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it makes it hard for them to choose the right procedures and to get what they want or need when they're hearing conflicting and often wrong things because celebrities and influencers are not transparent about what they're getting, where they're getting it. So, for example, I would have people who would come in and say, I want a little bit of Botox in my lips, but I don't want a lot because I don't want to have huge clown lips. I'm like, well, first of all, you don't get Botox in your lips. And it actually takes a lot of filler to get really big lips. Like, we're not going to do that. You know, things like that. So, you know, Priyana, God bless her, Kim Zolciak's daughter, she put up, I don't remember how long ago this was, in the last several months, she put up a... um an Instagram post or story or something with a before and after. And the before was following one of her procedures, but she had done so much, I assume filler, is that correct? In her lips that it was like, it looked wild. And her post was essentially saying, nobody told me that I should not be doing this and I'm going to scale back as a result. I mean, it's if if you make those decisions, are is there like lifelong consequences for them? Or can you really, if you change your mind or want to like diffuse some of it, is that a possible yeah. thing to do? Yeah, most things are reversible. Um, filler, we can dissolve, we can, I mean, Kylie Jenner used to have really, really, really big lips from Mm. filler, and she dissolved a lot of it and restarted with her filler journey, and it looks really good now. Um, So it's definitely reversible. A lot of procedures are. There are very few that are like, hey, once once this is done, we can't do anything about it, so... And Andy has made a point of like saying, hey, how are you today? And what'd you get done to your face? What's your reaction to that from the perspective of someone who's a Bravo viewer and also really knowledgeable? Like to have someone, including a man, say to somebody else, you know, you look different. What's going on? So it's... (laughs) 
I'm really conflicted because I don't think it's appropriate to ask someone if they're not willing to share it. Yeah. To ask someone on the spot and for it to be like, oh, you look a little different. Like, what are you doing? So I know sometimes he says, you look really great. Um, You know, what have you been doing? So I know sometimes a little more positive, but I have heard him say, like, you look different. What's different about you? And I don't know, I'm conflicted. But I also am on the side of they have a huge platform. And and actually, I will say housewives are pretty good about transparency a little a little better, not the best than a lot of other celebrities. But from the side of transparency and from the side of, hey, if we talk about this more, more people are going to have better information. People are going to make better decisions. And it's also just going to take away the stigma. Yeah. I think that I would love for them to just offer it up. But I don't think especially a man should be talking about it like that. And the thing of it is, like, as you said, I'm so appreciative when housewives are really transparent, because I actually just think it's super interesting. Like, Dolores has been so open. Queen. And she looks fucking incredible. I think Marge looks incredible. The cast of Beverly Hills, whatever they're doing is incredible. I think Kyle has never looked better. I mean, it's just, it's interesting to see, because especially in the world of reality TV, often it's like not great work, which we have also seen. So it's incredible to see if you invest a couple shekels, if that's like the thing you want to do, no shame, no judgment. People have the right to do whatever makes them feel good, noting hopefully it's like all safe, bueno there, to have women be open and also be like, yeah, this was like a bajillion dollars. And that's maybe a part of the escapism is seeing people kind of make some of those decisions and and watching how that influences their life moving forward. I mean, they're under public scrutiny. And I there's always that, you know, in the freshman class of um, housewives and they move on to their second or third year and there's a huge <laughs> right. change, right? In many because, ways. But <laughs> in, many ways. Right, in a lot of ways. But also just, I think, seeing yourself on TV or whatever and you start noticing things or people are people are cruel. People say, yeah. oh, why doesn't she fix this? Well, ew, she does this. And then, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And unfortunately, when you're in the public eye and people are making comments, you are going to feel some type of way and maybe want to make changes or something that was always bothering you. You're, you pull the trigger. You're like... Yeah, I've always felt that way about my lips. And now you guys are seeing it too. So here I am, you know? Yeah. And from a from the perspective of like the Bravo audience, the thing that I hate seeing on social that happens for essentially all housewives is people look for the thing that they think is going to wound you the most. And often that starts and ends with criticizing or trying to shame a housewife's body, which I just think is so inappropriate. And the fact that so many of the people leaving those comments are women, it just, we're just often so vicious. And I just think like, I know you might not like this housewife, but to leave comments and be like, you broke your face or whatever is not ideal. Can't we focus on their personality? Why do we have to go to that point? Or there issues like, oh, I don't like so-and-so because they did X, Y, and Z instead of these ad hominem attacks of, well, her face is ugly anyway. Okay. What does that have to do with her being a bitch? Right. (laughs) Truly. Like, we can be, let's use our words. Let's come up with things about that. 
them being a dick and not talk about their lips. I mean, there's that direction to go down. Um, But, you know, you mentioned the ways that sometimes housewives change season to season. We just watched the New York reunion. And I have to tell you, so I watched it once and I was like, da 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 da, doing other things. And so I was like, oh, this is meaningful, whatever. And then I watched it a second time, sobbing. I was like literally weeping, like literally weeping, watching it again, thinking to myself, this truly might be, I mean, it was a tough watch at points and also might be one of the most meaningful reunions that I have seen for a minute. It felt like, Maybe the cast member's anxiety or vulnerability and not doing the reunion before has opened or opened the door to them sharing so like it was just a flood of emotion. What was your reaction to it? Did you think it was like a nothing burger or were you impacted? How did you feel? I feel like it's proof that they've all been to therapy and then proof Mm -hmm. that a lot of these other housewives have never been to therapy. I was like, oh, they're like, yeah, I acknowledge your feelings and I appreciate that you're telling me these things and I recognize what I've done wrong and I apologize. And then the other person's like, thank you for saying that. I also see you in your light and I appreciate you. And I was like, I mean, it's I'm loving it, but I'm also like, wait, there's no fights. No one called someone a bitch. Like, what? What? <laughs> the direction of it was interesting. There was that point where Uba was like, yeah, you know, three of these people didn't want Jenna on the show. And Andy looked at her and was like, that's a whatever he said, like a side bomb that you dropped. Yeah. Right. But then we didn't talk about that at all because we were moving back to the emotion. I was like, okay. wait, can we just sidebar? I know it was like the timing wasn't ideal for her to say it right then. But I would like to know more about those conversations. Multiple times, though. Wait, multiple times. She just came out of left field I with know. what? Like nothing related. And it seemed like she was trying to fight Jenna or to get everyone fighting about Jenna. And I don't I don't understand. Like I'm trying like now I'm looking back through this season where I thought she was kooky. You did. Wait, you thought who was kooky? Uba. Really? Ah, I just thought, yeah, I just, there were just things that just felt weird and red flags. Just, I don't know. But like, I'm trying to think, did she have all these issues with Jenna that she's like trying to suddenly bring? I don't know. It just felt weird. It felt, was it scripted? Is she trying, thinking that maybe the reunion isn't that exciting and she wants to bring something to it? I have no idea. I was like, wait, girl, there is a time and a place and that was not it. The thing with Uba is I think she had a genuine sense of upset when watching the episodes. I really, truly think that she felt that either stuff was being mi- misrepresented or that maybe she was being misrepresented. And I think it, it to me, like genuinely just my two thoughts. I mean, I literally only have two. So this is one of them. I just really felt like she came in with a feeling of, to me, sort of like understandable upset, maybe about the way the audience received her, maybe about whatever she felt. Well, I did call her kooky. Yeah. (laughs) So there is that. And so that entered the reunion. I mean, her sending texts the night before to Karen, I mean... Karen. I, I just really was like, I think that there is something going in here that she feels like this is her opportunity 
to really focus on other people's decisions and how they impacted her, which is seemingly the thesis of a reunion. But she did go from saying, I love everyone, let's all be friends, to, I had to write this down because I was like, what just happened? She said, Jenna is poor me, a victim, I'm old, and the real Jenna is a powerhouse, which I initially was like, what the fuck just happened? And then later on, she said, what I meant was that Jenna doesn't celebrate her wins. Yeah, but I still feel like I I think she believes all of those things, but I feel like it was kind of disingenuous when she saw that no one was following her lead with that. That she didn't like, clarify? Yeah, like that Bren even said, oh, no, I think that's her showing her vulnerability. Like she was maybe the most vul- vulnerable on the show, which I agree with. She really did. I mean, Jessel also showed a lot of her life, but I I was like, girl, what? what are you talking about? You can be a powerhouse and still have like that vulnerability and like that emotional side. I have, I work with plastic surgeons. I've worked with the most incredible and brilliant people in the world and they have um, imposter syndrome and sometimes have Mm. moments of doubt or or not celebrating their wins. Like there'll be an incredible transformation. They're like, oh, but I, I just wish I had done this part a little bit better. And I'm like, the patient is happy. They look incredible. Stop, you know? It's a good point. And I think from the perspective of imposter syndrome, this is such a small moment considering the like bigger topics that were addressed. But there was a moment where Bryn was being like really vulnerable and talking about the thousands of messages that she's received and the look on Uba's face when she, you know, responded and was like, yeah, I, I haven't received thousands of messages, but I have re- received support. And I just thought to myself, like, if I was in Uba's position, hearing someone talk about not that it's a competition it's not it's not between uba and um brin but just the idea of someone receiving such a wave of support and not necessarily receiving that level of support i appreciated brin i think later being like no you did get thousands it was just like a lot of them are on twitter which you might not see i just thought to myself like that's got to be tough too because when you open up and you are vulnerable and you might not feel as well received for sharing that vulnerability as another member of the cast and it's all of your first season i would think that would affect a person it would affect me absolutely but so question yeah please how do you think how do you think it was received then the way because Uba was constantly I feel like constantly talking about like her hard life. How do you think during the season? her delivery and how do you think it was received? Um, I think it was received really well. I think it was received really well. I think it's also complicated because she talked about the experience of losing her mom and like feeling like she lost a part of herself. Yes. Which I think that is something that a lot of people can understand, especially if a person's mom and it's a woman losing her mom and that Mm. person might be her North star. The thing that I find really helpful in watching this cast is to see the ways that we're talking about complicated relationships with our parents, because you might feel represented in Uba's story, you might feel represented in Jenna's or in Erin's talking about her parents, which of course I had no idea was going on or happened. Um, I think it was received really well during the season by the cast and the audience. I think the complication there is because there was that conflict between Uba and Erin, you're also dealing with a lot of criticism and backlash from the audience. And not that that should count, cancel it out. Right. I just think if you're receiving a lot of potential hate on social, that sometimes can drown out 
Okay, that's what I was thinking because I was like, I feel like I felt really bad for her. I remember sitting there thinking a lot of these women have mother issues, whether it's they've lost a mother, they're, you know, they have, you know, with Bren, things like that. But I didn't remember seeing anyone not support Uba. I feel like everything that I saw was in support of Uba. Meaning the cast. The cast will also like the, the audience. audience. Yeah. But yeah, I, she did also get a lot of backlash with, you know, her thing with Aaron. So I'm wondering if she just wasn't seeing, you know, it's one negative comment can sometimes completely outweigh all the tons of great comments. I'm wondering if she, it was there, but she wasn't seeing it or feeling it because she was feeling some type of way about the other issues that were surrounding her. Yeah, and I think if you join this kind of show where people are just so emotional, which emotional isn't a bad thing, but people connect so viscerally with the experience of watching Housewives that it becomes like a personal investment. So if an audience member sees behavior they don't agree with, it can almost feel like an insult to them of like, you're doing this to maybe somebody else who I really connect with, or you're just doing this behavior I disagree with. And it is one of those things where people always seem to remember, you know, like how to contact a manager with a bad review. They don't necessarily do the same when they're having a positive experience. Right. And I think with Housewives, how else do you survive being online and on the show without having some sort of defensive armor, which I think also makes it really complicated if the critique against the housewife is that you're too defensive or you have an armor. I mean, look at Bryn. I'm well, I don't think that Bryn is defensive. I think although it's it's possible, I, I think less of Bryn, honestly, and more of Sai. Because I think what Sai is dealing with is a really pretty, not entirely, but a pretty negative response from the audience. And then you have to go up to the reunion. You're watching other people be really vulnerable and you have to express and share the reasons that like, that's just not who you are. And so how do you take in all the critique about this thing that was maybe formed as the result of trauma right? and still be like, oh, and I'm not changing it because I've gotten some bad DMs. It's still who I am. This has been the ways that I've been able to survive. And I get if you don't like me from that, but it's not like this is going anywhere. No, I agree. And the parasocial behavior or parasocial relationships we have, like with their behaviors where we feel like this is our friend or this is not our friend. We hate her. I mean, look at Tom and Ariana. I feel like that's a perfect example of like, you know, this is my best friend. How could you do this to her type situation? And Rachel, the rage for Rachel. Right, right. And I speak from experience. I was like, I don't understand how a friend could do this. Yeah, 100%. Right. But I I do feel like Bren got some backlash online and she started like posting like stories. She's blocking a lot of like Bravo Liberty, not Bravo Liberty, Bravo Liberty creators. And Cy, she's gotten it. I mean, She's gotten it really bad, but I have to say I'm one of those. I mean, I didn't post. I just like internally thought, oh, I don't really like her. Which who? Sai. I just don't like her. Well, that's also the thing of it when you like hear a person's story of an incredibly tumultuous childhood and the trailer for the next episode where she's talking about her mom was like drinking in front of the kids and then her husband was like, he can't, you know, right. she, she can't come here anymore. And then mom dies within months and carrying that guilt and shame and confusion and sadness. And gr- I mean, it's just overwhelming. 
And so you can carry many things at once. And one is like, I understand the ways that you might appear to the world and also the ways that you really feel that you are. I get that. And also you're making choices that seem hurtful or or that you're not you're it's like let's not mock the idea of another person opening up or another person sharing their feelings like right. we can we can hold many truths at once and one of them is like sigh is potentially for a lot of people very difficult to connect to because she seems to mock the idea of another person's connection so you're allowed to feel however you want to feel and you can go through trauma and have trauma responses but you're also an adult and you do sometimes need to take that criticism and say, how can I do this better? How can I be mm-hmm. better? How can I dismantle some of my maybe inappropriate or unhelpful or disconnecting trauma responses? You know, like, how can I work through this? And so I love Brent. My favorites are Jessel and... Um, I mean, how can you not? Right. Um, Jenna, okay. I literally restarted shopping at J. Crew because of Jenna. I know she's not even a part of that anymore, but I was like, I need pants like her. I need yes. a new blazer. I have blazers, but I need one just like hers. Anyway, <laughs> queen. Um, but like, so when Cy got so mad that Bryn had told about Mr. Connecticut that they hadn't talked since then. Six months. I'm that makes me not like so I'm like, first of all, you're mad when you were the one in the wrong. And she did say like, oh, yeah, like I was so upset because I realized I had broken Uba's trust. But six months, bitch, you don't talk to your friend for six months because you were wrong. And I thought something was going to happen there. But she was like, oh, yeah, admit it. And Brenna's like, OK, thanks for saying that. <laughs> and I was like, OK, I like that you guys like fixed it but i can feel like after, extend this yeah like if you're gonna be mad for six months that you're not gonna talk like can you at least like show some drama on our side like where we get to see something like you don't get to like suddenly be this well-adjusted human in front of our eyes if for six months you held a crazy grudge over the smallest thing i don't know that makes me not like her not there's other examples but that <laughs> right there i was like come on I mean, it would have been ideal if we had had a little bit of a status update on the projecting during the projecting. But I think it was Bryn who made the point of like, okay, yeah, you didn't talk to me for six months. I really appreciate you taking some responsibility for the reasons behind that. It wasn't entirely about me. But also like you just gave an interview last week. So also agree with that. So like I was laughing. I was like, Go for it, Bren. I get mean, it. How do we play the silent game for six months and then a week before the reunion, you're giving an interview, continuing to be like, she's a bad friend. She doesn't support other women. And then the day of the reunion, you're like, oh, yeah, I, I came to my senses, if that is the phrase that will work best here. Right. I don't know. I'm thinking that all those interviews she did in the six months, she probably knew she was in the wrong. But, you know, she's getting interviewed about it. She's maybe being asked about it. And she's like, this is the story I'm going with. And then confronting it with Bren and everyone's like, um, you never told her like we have video. You never told her not to say Mr. Connecticut. And I don't know. I, I don't know if she was just like, I'm not going to not going to lie. And that's maybe commendable. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know. It really was <laughs> the her. bars in hell. Like, oh, right. she didn't lie about something we have on camera. Okay. 
And also when it comes to the idea of privacy, so I think Jenna is certainly being much more public with the relationship that she has been in, not the one that ended during filming, but a new relationship that feels very significant in her life. She's been more certainly very open on social versus whomever she was dating during filming. God bless. Appreciate that. With Uba, I think there there does appear to be the sense of like, I'm keeping all of his information private for now. There are some implications for him from a job perspective. And, you know, maybe if we continue to whatever, and maybe this is just me assuming that, that the door will be open to seeing more about him. Do you think that housewives have the right to privacy when it comes to not having their significant others on the show or not even allowing seemingly the, the significant others to be discussed? Absolutely. And first of all, if I was newly dating someone, I'm not bringing him up on the show because what if it doesn't work out? I'm not giving him infamy and fame and notoriety. No, like he can just be in a corner somewhere. Like I'm not bringing him around. You know what I mean? Like he needs to like prove he is valuable to my life and that he's going to be something before I build him up anywhere. (laughs) Like Totally. So first of all, but also... They didn't if they didn't sign up for it, it's not fair, I think, to bring them in. Like it's it's it needs to be consensual. And I feel the same way about children. I don't think their children need to be on the show unless there's like it, it's consenting. I, and I know it's like, well, how does a five-year-old consent? I'm like, then maybe don't put your five-year-old on the show. I don't know. I know we like to see the moments with their family, but I just I don't like it. And I think of um like uh Mauricio and Kyle and like watching their kids grow up on the show. It's, I don't know, what are what's their youngest daughter's name? Portia. Portia, like when she had that like meltdown mm. on one episode, I don't know how many years ago, I think she was like eight or nine or 10. I feel like if I were 20 or whatever, however old she's going to be here in a little bit, I don't know, I'm just guessing numbers. Yeah, yeah. Like I would think about that and be so embarrassed that that was out there and that people are, can see that, that people I like and people I don't like can see this. And it's, I don't know. I just feel like it needs to be consensual for anyone that you're bringing on the show, like whether it's a significant other, a friend, doesn't matter. So I do agree with privacy there. The difficulty with consent is that, as you said, like a, a, having a child give consent and understanding what it is that they're right. signing up for is nearly that it would be a very difficult right. Um kind of process to go down. And the reality for Housewives is so much of the show is, it's called Housewives, but it's really about the reality of a a person's family that you might not ordinarily see, including if you're a very good friend. It's like opening the door to another person's privacy and there being some sort of trust game. And yet, and, and so there are examples of kids who we have watched grow up and who have held their moms accountable when their moms are spinning right. out. You know, like there is that. And then there are also children who've been on the show who've dealt with consequences of having some of their worst moments examined. And then, you know, 15, 10 years later, people are still remembering, oh, when you were a dick to your mom at like you know, teenage years when most of us are. It's part of the process of growing up and trying to separate and become your own person. And it's messy. And that's why I'm like, like, uh, I really feel like there needs to be consent and I just don't really like it. But I'm not saying that they should never do that. But at least with a new boyfriend, a new girlfriend or whatever, like they don't have to be 
your storyline, you know, let them when they're ready, when you're ready, when you're like, okay, we're in a place where this is fine. But I don't, I'm wondering if Uba's relationship might be like um, Tensley, like Tensley with her guy that well, she was on and off with. She probably left the show and got back on the show. Every time they were broken up, she got back on Roni. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I felt like it's because he never was that serious. Was his name Scott? Yeah. Scott. Coupon Cabin. Yeah. The I don't think he was really that serious about her. And he put all these like weird like rules about whether she could mention him or mm-hmm. things like that. And I just feel like it's because he didn't want to be known as her boyfriend because he wasn't her boyfriend. He was her boyfriend to her. But when she was away, he wasn't her boyfriend. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's also hard because there is that struggle of like you want to find someone who loves you despite the show and supports you on the show, which is difficult. How do you find someone who is willing to go on camera with you, not because they want to be on camera or develop a love of being on camera, but because they're just there to ensure that you can, you know, do a great job at work? I mean, that is. The, I remember back in the day, there was like a thing. Bethany was on Watch What Happens, and the show had asked if Jason Hoppy would do some like honeymoon game thing. And Andy made a point of saying like, and he wouldn't do it. And that means he's a great guy because he had no interest in being on TV. And that's not an incorrect thing to say, but it's not the only thing to say with the knowledge that we now know several years later. Um it just becomes complicated of like figuring out the balance between this person ideally not being with you because they want the show, not to say that's specific to Jason, but like the sort of gray area of like, I want you to support me, but not, I don't want you to be like excited to be on the show, which is a little Jersey-ish kind of situation. I don't want you to be on the show or be with me because you want to be on the show. Yeah. And I want I I want you to sort of be with me at the end of the day. Like, what does that entail? And what is owed to you as a result? Noting that the edit is typically not kind to partners of housewives, often for very good reason, because it's deserved. So it adds a lot of tension. And I think the kids stuff is interesting, because there have been moments where housewives maybe have had those conversations with their kids and they understand that this is a family experience and maybe they've talked to current or former housewives who have talked to them about maybe the nuances and difficulties, but also it's a great opportunity and um, for you, for the kids, whatever else, but their maybe spouses won't allow those kids to be on camera. I mean, say what you want about Brandy Glanville. It certainly did not help her that we did not get to see a softer side of her when she was with her children. It hardened other aspects of her. Sutton allegedly wasn't allowed to be full-time the first season because her ex wouldn't allow their kids to be filmed. So it's there is a little bit of like a punishment there, either in reputation or opinion, if that doesn't happen. Because if you remove that like aspect of a person's life, which is an overwhelming, a huge, yeah. a huge part of its life, that person is really in disservice to themselves because we're not getting to see the other softer or more nuanced, complicated aspects of who they are. I agree. I also heard children are young, but I feel like Dory is doing it really well because yes. we see just snippets, like teeny yeah. tiny, like, you know, her little kids are coming in and like, mommy, I'm yeah. wearing your shoes. And that's all we see, you know, 
we, we're not like really getting deep into their lives. And it's I'm not thinking of many off the top of my head right now, but um, actually maybe from Atlanta, like Brielle and like Ariana. Yeah. We get really deep into their lives and sometimes it's okay, but sometimes it's not like we're so the way that Kim's kids have been criticized and in, in Atlanta um, for maybe having work done at 16, 15 and in a lot of places, it's legal to have certain work at 15, 16, 17 years old, but they're being scrutinized and criticized. And it's because they're really heavily on camera as young. I mean, I feel like we saw them their whole lives. And I just feel I just don't like that. But, you know, it's to each their own. If they feel like that's good for their kids, you know, I'm not a parent. I have no children. So no one should ever ask me about, you know, parenting. But I, I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like it. I mean, there's the idea of, I mean, it's a medical term, but when you get into like body dysmorphia, not to say that that's applicable to anyone that we're discussing, but to say that like the magnifying glass to a person's body when you are a minor child on TV. It's disgusting. I never post anyone under 18. Like when they've asked, oh, like this person and this person, they're under 18. No, no I'm not doing it. Good we're for not, you. We're not posting it. If they've done work, great. Don't care. Actually, I don't care if anyone has work done, but we're not scrutinizing a child's body. And I'm, I personally don't work with physicians that work on children, but we're, this is not an okay topic. It's not okay to talk about the children. Like, don't talk about the husbands. No, talk about the husbands. <laughs> don't talk about the children. Like, leave the children out of it. That's why I think Dorit does such a good job. But again, they're very young. I don't know right. what will happen when her children are 12 and 14. Are we going to have a deeper look into their lives? Is that okay? Are they able to consent and say, yeah, you can watch me have a full on tantrum when I'm 14 because that's what 14 year olds do, you know? Yeah, I think actually Beverly Hills has done a really good job of that. And like leaving aside Kim Hilsiak, I think Atlanta has too. New Jersey, the kids are such a huge part of the show, but I actually think they've done at many points a solid job. It's really the audience that has done less of a good job right. with criticizing some of those kids, many of whom are still in high school. Um, I also think it's difficult when a child like Gia, for example, starts filming the show as an adult and has confessionals. That is opening the door for someone to have feedback on what she's sharing. But I think also just to have a little bit of an understanding of what these kids, especially the Judy J, Judy J, Judy says, what those kids have been through as far as the trauma of what their parents' decisions how their parents' decisions affected them. They've been punished more than Anyone, Joe and Teresa yeah. ever would be. I mean, uh, so I think that is, it, I think it's difficult. But I also think like thinking about Beverly Hills, like we've seen so much of Kyle and Kyle's life, but we haven't gone into the nitty gritty of her kids. Like I think that's been really helpful. Like Kyle's vulnerability within a family structure has been the very complicated dynamics with her sisters. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think sh story should really be. Like, I love Kyle. She's in my top five. Doesn't mean I haven't dragged her. I absolutely have, especially last season. She's deserved it. <laughs> she has deserved that. And I understand that. But I also think that like, when it comes to the you know, upcoming season and just thinking about the weight, which premieres this week and thinking about the ways that she has um, really focused on her uh, role as a mom and as a parent. Like, I think it's been really, to me, really positive. I agree with that. 
I agree. I just I think of like Portia having that meltdown and yeah, thinking, no, that's going to be out there forever. I hear and you. And I know it's not. It's like, oh, children have meltdowns, but my meltdowns are not on the internet. You know, right. my lowest moments. And I mean, truly, I guess we can say all the housewives have some of their lowest moments, mm. but they were adults and they made that decision and they signed on for it. So I see both sides and yeah. I definitely agree. It humanizes them and mm. it adds, you know, another layer to their intricate personalities, makes them more multidimensional. I agree. But then there's still the, you know, this can be a complicated issue still, like it's complex. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. Astapro is a first-of-its-kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes, while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. It delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Living in New York City is not easy. Just ask Sonia, trying to sell that house. There are so many mornings where I wake up and think, oh my gosh, I'm having the worst cold of my life. And I realize it's actually from allergies. When my nasal allergies flare up, and that happens when the season changes and the temps get a little warmer than they normally are, I use Astapro, and I'm amazed at how fast I'm back in the game. And that game is looking for Dorinda on the Upper East Side. Astapro always has my back and nose. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luan? <laughs> and while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options. And it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. 
That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way, Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. I just came back from the salon, and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. (laughs) Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Believable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy.
In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDESGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDESGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. Yeah, and shifting back to New York, what I really appreciated about the dynamics in talking about parenting is the fact that we have grown women on stage talking about how to process behaviors and experiences and sometimes toxic or difficult, complicated relationships with their parents through the lens of their like literal inner child. I mean, you carry these things with you for the rest of your life. It's just a matter of figuring out what to accept, what to acknowledge, and how to process all of this. And there were so many different examples. And I mean, Jenna JFL, Jenna Fucking Lyons, talking about her mom's own almost grief in knowing that she was not able to give her child what her child needed and connecting that to the ways that Jenna has felt she's been able to heal some of those wounds by being the parent to her son that she needed when she was younger and as an adult is, I mean, again, it was like Sob City. Like, it's just so fucking meaningful to hear that. And then to have- It was moving. It was beautiful. Totally. And then to have Bryn be like, and also, Jenna, how, you know, how does this, how does this work? Like, how do you know what to do? How do you not focus on what it is that you've experienced? Like, having them have that conversation, I can't stop saying the word meaningful. I just think it's so- fucking meaningful and it might have been like the only thing all the women totally agreed on Mm. because aaron was like oh don't worry when you have them you'll you'll get there Sai was like don't worry you'll get there and bren was like you guys make me want to have kids and then no i can do it and i was like i don't want kids and i'm crying (laughs) too like (laughs) truly the other day last week i was like do I? Like, I <laughs> like, I haven't. I haven't for a very no, long time. No, I'm like, I was kidding. I don't I, want them. Maybe I do. Like, I want to be the rich aunt. I mean, I, that's what I always wanted to be, a rich aunt. I'm going to be the rich um, aunt. Do you um, have siblings? I do, but my brother has uh, is disabled. So the the likelihood of him having kids at this point, and it, oh, my older brother is probably unlikely, but not impossible. Anything can happen. Well, one of them has to take one for the team and adopt I know, a child. It should I be know. it should be Jeff. It should not be me. I should be the aunt, I think. Yeah. Really, truly. We want a rich aunt. We really I think we need the world needs more rich aunts. And while I am not rich and 
possibly biologically not an aunt. That is the that is the the gift that I'm giving to the world. Um, and I think that that was such a fantastic moment. And to just see these women on this stage giving love to each other in that way. And also when it came to Jenna talking about her experiences as a mother, but also sort of like attempting to listen to her and hopefully respect her when she says, I have shit. I know that I'm very successful, but that is not the place that I live in. I That is not, she was not given, you know, applause by her mom or dad necessarily. Like if you are expected to give that to yourself and you're dealing with everything else, the world might be telling you how great you are, but that doesn't mean that you feel that way, which is where I was really glad that Uba clarified and was like, I like essentially this is me adding this, but when she did not say this out loud, but I assume that she did of like, I'm sorry, I said that other thing earlier. But she did say like, this is what I meant. What I meant was you are essentially Jenna fucking Lyons, but the experience of being Jenna and carrying with her everything that she's gone through plus some health issues, it's just, you don't you don't just wake up. Nece- some people do. Some people are like, I'm God's gift. And well, usually those, I'm ha- super those people have parents that are like, oh my God. You are God's gift. Yes, you, right. you were able to tie your shoes at the age of 10. That's great. And like- good for them for saying it. Like we, you know, I people are complicated and parents are complicated. And it is one of those difficulties of like, trying to accept and process your parents' humanity noting that oftentimes that humanity might come at a cost. And so for Jenna, not to say this is overwhelmingly the responsibility of her mom, but to just accept that when she's telling you that maybe she's dealing with insecurity or imposter syndrome or just has other stuff going on, like, let's believe her when she says that. We know that she dressed Michelle Obama. We know that she's been to the Met Ball more times than we can count. And also, when she wakes up in the morning, she's dealing with other stuff, too. That's It is as much of a costume when you go to the Met Ball as it might be when you're walking a red carpet or having a meeting or you know, selling your J. Crew stock for a bajillion dollars or whatever it, it is that got her to the place that she's at now. Like, exactly. It doesn't we, – we understand the artifice of a person's exterior, but uh, – that's also connected to your internal work. Right. I mean, it's kind of like you can know that you're beautiful, like I'm beautiful, and then have moments where you're like, I look like crap. I mm. feel like shit. I'm not happy right now. Just, you know, you have those moments and then you're like, oh, no, wait, I am beautiful. Don't worry about it. Everyone looks bad sometimes. It's okay. So, you know, when you're having a bad hair day or you're breaking out or something, you just feel so bad. And it's like, that's not your actual reality it's just a moment in time right right but and also that can last decades right and it's not it's not about necessarily the way a person is looking at themselves in the mirror although that certainly can exist it's also the like I don't take in my wins because maybe I don't feel like I deserve celebrating them or I can't acknowledge it or I feel like that's taking away from the thing that I want to do next. I mean, Jenna decided to do Housewives in many ways for business reasons, as many people do. She's also had a lot of success in business. So there is a reason she's on stage. It's not to just like purely share my vulnerability. I think a lot of the show was as much of a surprise to her as it was maybe to any anyone else. else. 
Um, as a surprise as the jeans, but then not as yeah. I loved it, but I was like, I got used to the jeans. I, I get it. I still do feel a little sad that this isn't Aaron's responsibility to carry. But if Aaron was in a long dress, the optics of like the full cast on stage in long dresses and then Jenna in jeans would have been like a plus plus. And I don't, that's not <laughs> Aaron's fault for everything that she's been criticized for. But I did also think in that moment, like, oh, and Aaron looked great. But I was like, oh, it would have been great if it was a long I mean, dress. they're a gorgeous cast. This is a gorgeous they're beautiful. cast. beautiful. And, you know, with Aaron, too, like, I really, I appreciate Aaron. And I also connect with, like, a lot of her personality as a New Yorker and as a New York Jew. Like, I connect with a lot of that. And I felt... And also she can be abrasive and like critical and all that other stuff, which maybe right. I connect with as well. But when she was talking about like caregiving for her mom and feeling like she was responsible and connecting that to when she quite literally was for weeks at a time at 15 or 16 years old with four younger siblings and having to wholly care for them. Right. And now as an adult caring for a parent dealing with an illness and having and that connecting to maybe trauma and stuff that you haven't processed from when you were younger like that's She's like, that's fucking... why I'm type A. And like, exactly. That is why right. you're type A. Yeah, there Same. was a cost to that. What there was a cost to that, you right. know? And it has an impact in other things. Like, and again, as with Psy, you can feel a lot of things that a person uh you can feel a lot of things about a person at once. You can hold a lot of truths at once. Absolutely. I mean, no one is perfect. No one is all good or all bad. There is there's no such thing, but I think. I'm wondering what's going to change in the next season. Yes, like, great who, question. Who is going to be more vulnerable? Who is going to maybe button some things up? Like, I, I'm wondering, like, for example, Jessel, I mean, the way that we talked about her sex life for so long mm. to the point where I was like, come on, guys, like, let's move on from this. Is she going to be a little bit more tight-lipped? I don't think so. I think she's going to keep giving. Love her. But, you know, after watching their first season and the reunion what are they going to do differently and who's going to like is Aaron going to soften a little is Sai going to show a little bit more vulnerability you know what I mean mm -hmm. and there have been housewives who've had first seasons where I'm like oh I'm not into this person and then second or third season I'm like oh wait what's happening do I like them now like that yeah. that happens I wouldn't be surprised if that happens with members of the cast but I do need to ask you as a native Texan and a Bravo holic. Do you think that Jessel moved to Texas and or also New York to be on the show? Because that was a fascinating moment to watch. Yes. And I would say, yeah, I did, wouldn't you? Like <laughs> if they said, Hey, you've lived in New York for 10 years, but you've been in LA and Dallas for the last I don't know how long, but we think you'd be a really good addition because you know these ladies or whatever, I'd be like, uh, yeah. You know, we still have a, a house or whatever over there. I'll like I can be there when you need me. Let me know. Yeah, what? I mean that was one of those moments. I get why she didn't say it, but I like really deeply feel that she did. And how iconic would it have been? But maybe it's fourth wall stuff or show within the show, or maybe she felt like the cost of that would flash if maybe things change. Like from a, you know what I'm saying? Like the idea of like, if I'm honest about this and then people start to dislike me, they're just going to go back to the fact that I moved for the show and then weaponize it against me. But I also like genuinely think that she did. I think she and Lizzie Savetsky were 
maybe auditioning for, or I think Lizzie was actually filming a little bit of the then scene next season of Dallas, which didn't come to pass. And then the fact that both Jessel and Lizzie were then New York, I do think that there was like sharing is caring. If if we didn't work on this franchise, let's bring them to the East Coast. Like right. the fact that they were both Lizzie, we didn't see on the show. And I think we're probably the better for it. But with Jessel, when you start talking about the fact that I don't want to take it away from her, but like, yeah, we lived here for a long time and then we went somewhere else and then like New York is closer to London. She, she was like very being diplomatic, like, oh, yes. have, yeah, 10 years. How long ago? Right. How long have you been in New York? And she and finally was like, oh, a year and a half. Okay. But first of all, oh, if you are, if you own something, own it, own it. <laughs> if you own something, people can't really use it against you. They can't. Like if she said, I absolutely move for the show, wouldn't you? Like you would be fucking lying if someone said, hey, like this is something you've always wanted to do, but you'd have to move to New York. Wouldn't you do it? Of course you would, especially if you've lived here for 10 years before. Like she, she's got it. Um, It's like Rachel Raquel when everyone was like, Rachel, mm. Rachel, Rachel. And she was like, you know what? My legal name is Rachel and you're going to call me Rachel. Yeah. Actually, she probably said it more like, well, my name is Rachel. So you guys can call me Rachel. Then everyone was like, well, now it's not fucking fun to call you Rachel. And good for her, by the way. I know. I agree. Are, like, I was like, this is the first best thing she did. It was super was like, smart. And like, take back your power. Like, people are literally using your name against you. So, own. I mean, like, quite literally own yeah. it. Like, own your name. Right. With Jessel, I just... <laughs> Just a year and a half. And I also, there was some interview. I don't remember if it was like for bravotv.com or something else, but there was some interview of Jessel giving a tour of her apartment. And I was like, this doesn't make sense to be in an all like beige cream apartment with toddlers. Like it just viscerally. And the way that she was explaining it on the tour was like, and this totally makes sense because I have little kids. And I just thought like, like the math truly ain't mathin'. Like it, it just to me, I thought, why is she so ardently defending this choice? But I think it's because maybe, which I mean, welcome to New York. I think maybe it was them renting or something, which I don't mean as an insult. I just mean as a like, if you've only been here for a year and a half and then the show was filming how long ago, that would make sense yeah. to do a long-term sublet or something else. I don't know. She might own that apartment. It's entirely possible. It's also possible that she is renting a apartment that came with furniture because it worked out for yeah, the timing of filming the show. Moving your whole family, right? It would like be and with two young kids. Yeah, get out of here. You're not going to be settled. You're you're not going to find the place that you want to live. First of all, mm -mm. Like, there's no way. But yeah, no, I support it that if she moved for the show, I would move for the show. And anyone who has ever wanted to be a housewife and they were presented with the opportunity, like you would be fucking lying if you told me, no, like I actually want to stay in Dallas. Dallas is not even that great. I uh -oh. don't know why. <laughs> I wouldn't want to stay in Dallas. I'd be like, take me anywhere. I've heard good things about Dallas. Houston is better. Oh, and okay. Austin. Okay, that's why I'm talking to a Texan. I should have known. I and really Austin is known. so fun. I've only been to San Antonio. I was there for a wedding. I saw the Riverwalk, I want to say, and the Alamo. San Antonio is pretty. A couple days. It's a lot smaller. Is it? Okay. A lot. Yeah, Houston is the big city. I would 
would love to visit Texas, but I know that Austin, I feel like Austin is probably my jam. Like that's yes. probably more, but I, then it's like Bachelorette City too. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge college town, basically. It's, mm. I mean, it's fun. It's very fun. It seems like a fun place. Yeah. Um, I mean, first on the list is probably Paris, but like right after so that I'm, is Paris, Texas. Texas nope. <laughs> really? Different, really? Different kind of baguette. Um, Yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I don't know what else to say about New York, except it felt, it felt significant in a way that I didn't appreciate. <laughs> this is where it's like, you need to give it, pay attention, please. Because the second time I watched it, I just was like, honestly, just very emotional. I just really appreciated everyone on that stage. And I also appreciated when they were like holding firm when Aaron and Cy were like, we didn't, you know, say any shit about your husband. And I'm thinking, yes, you did. You you did so viscerally. And the fact that and also sorry to interrupt. No, please. Also, y'all's husbands embarrass themselves while you were trying to say something about Pavit and Jessel. Like, like the way he stood up for his wife, I was like, oh, love them and then their husbands are like yeah like i would cheat basically a I year mean, and a half yeah without like, fucking, I, would, I, would I, would, I would i would definitely cheat i was like oh, y'all played yourself you you try to make their marriage look bad and we just saw all the holes in yours totally and i mean the not understanding her experiences with ivf and everything was something and also saying you twins and postpartum oh my god i'm like much and years of trying to work for a baby and how that affects your sex life and just all of it and i'm sure him too like i totally of course and the thing is is that i mean obviously you can never know someone's marriage but to me it looks like especially because they started out as friends they do have that foundation and intimacy yes that like I wouldn't want to go without sex for a year and a half, but if it were to happen, like their relationship is strong enough. so strong that it can sustain that. Versus, it sounds like Aaron's husband is like, "Well, if I'm not fucking you, why are you here?" Right. Like, and sir? also, let's throw all. Like, right. I was like, "Oh my god, there's some stuff happening here," and the ways that Jenna and Sai were like, "Well, we didn't quite literally use the phrase mistress, so we never said he could be cheating." When that was the through line of their humor, it's there's a difference between is there between like using this as a joke and quite literally saying it, and that is muddled here. But regardless, Jessel is pissed, and you can deny that that was your intention, but it's very clearly was very clearly was. absolutely and okay if it was one random joke sure but i know entirely too much about jessel's sex life now because you guys keep bringing it up right. like she doesn't keep bringing it up at this point you keep bringing it up like she's like i we've already been over this like what else do you want to know do you want to know and when they didn't believe her that they'd had sex what whether she about? did whether she did or didn't even if she was lying to you, it's because she wants you to leave her alone. Yes. Like, back off. I fucked my husband. Are you happy? Did you Do you want video, like, confirmation? Do you need proof? You want a condom? I don't know. What do you want? That was the other part of it was, like, she's like, yo, and we connected and we, you know, I had sex again. And then the response is, like, liar. Um, uh, yeah, liar, LOL. Um, What does she mean that she did it 25 minutes? And I'm thinking, d- nobody in your, you know, couple, whatever, in your marriage – we're not we're that could be foreplay that could be like she didn't the clock like it would need days for me if we hadn't had sex what? in an hour or an hour a year and a half i would be like hold on let me let me do everything let me, like let me get the candles out like you know <laughs> i right. think it take me a while it's a long time it was odd to me that they were mocking the 25 minutes i was like this is the least 
sort of surprise. I would just think that's right. a normal. I mean, normal is so yeah, often like used against people, but like an understandable. Said, right. If she came and said, oh my God, nervous. we had sex all night, like 15 times. I'd be like, why? Didn't you want to sleep? <laughs> like, <laughs> people have different kinds of experiences and ways to seek and find pleasure. And often, not always, but often the ability to receive pleasure is connected to the experience of like, being able to accept it, you know, like that comes with a lot like sex can be very simple or very complicated. And sometimes that can change by the hour. So for them to have to be making fun of the 25 minutes, I just thought like, that's like, do we start the clock if she's like putting on lingerie and exiting like the bathroom at the hotel or something? And then they're like making out like, is that weird to do for 25? I just thought that's so fucking again, I hate to use the word normal, understandable. It just felt so again, he just <laughs> normal. But like, that to me is a, right. So not a nothing burger that like, to focus on that just because you want to be a shit is stupid and like maybe lazy i wonder if they're just kind of threatened because maybe deep down they know like my husband wouldn't stay with me if i didn't put out for a year and a half and so pissed and they're like he wouldn't stay with me so why is he staying with her like what 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 is about their relationship or about her that i don't have that my husband and i are lacking i wonder if it's that and you know again i don't know their marriages but that could be a part of the processing and of the projecting of like, that's not okay in our relationship. So it absolutely can't be okay in yours. And if it can be okay in yours, but it's not okay in mine, what does that mean about the ways that I might be able to like, maybe this is too much, but like find safety and like putting things on pause while I work through other stuff or just knowing that I need to process some stuff. It doesn't mean that they would never have sex again, but it does mean that for many different couples, sex is the frequency of sex or sexual intimacy, which can be many different things. It, it It's not necessarily on the Google cow. Like people should have the right. And, and to talk about it too, like if somebody is going through something and then your partner or spouse is also going through something and they are looking for the kind of pleasure that maybe you guys have experienced together, like that's worthy of a conversation, like to be able to talk about that. But that doesn't mean that the first person isn't allowed to be like, not right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, even if it maybe lasts for months, whatever it is, I'm that's right. That is a situation which I don't as a total outsider who's like single ready to mingle. Mm -hmm. That is like not the thing for me. That's not the right. No, it's different for everyone. But I actually felt really bad for Aaron. Because I mean, if you're having sex every day, like that's awesome. If that's what you want to do, great. Me, there's nothing I want to do every single day besides eat, sleep and maybe use the bathroom. Like I don't there's nothing I want to do every single day. Multiple times a day for some of the couples that we've seen on Housewives. Right. But the way that her husband said like, oh, I don't remember the exact quote, but he said something along the lines of I have to have it every day. It makes it seem like it's not her choice or like maybe something that she also really wants to do. I, I don't know. Again, I might just be, you know, putting too much stock into it. But Mm -hmm. the way he said, I have to have it every day. I was like, okay, but what if I don't want to have it every single day? Like, why is this just about you? You have to you you can't skip a day like even the Lord rested on a day like I don't know, like, come on. 
Yeah, on the seventh day, we did not fuck. I mean, it's to me not a it's not a consent conversation. It's just a conversation of like, oh, I don't mean like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mean that she feels like, oh, if I don't put out for my husband, he's gonna cheat on me. He's gonna cheat. So even if there's a day just don't want to, but he has to have it every day. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Totally. Consensual, but not that she wanted to. Middle ground. You know, like, how are we shifting the dynamics of our relationship? And am I always the one that is adjusting my needs or my interests to benefit this person? Like, I get wanting to ensure that your partner feels satisfied. I also understand if your idea of satisfaction. Oh, my God. I can't talk today. Satisfaction. There's a whole song about it. Um, But the idea of like the conflict of that is interesting. And also, listen, let's just leave some room for the fact that they were at dinner at a couple's thing filming for reality TV. Maybe he said that to be a smart ass. We don't know the ways that he was being literal and intentional. I would guess it was possibly a conversation later on that night. And maybe she agrees with him. And what happens if in their relationship, you know, he is not for a prolonged period of time because he's working through some stuff. Does that mean that she then in a year and a half is it or is this like a gender politics dynamic where it's only the husband who's It sounds like a gender politics discussion because they didn't say, oh, you guys haven't had sex in a year and a half and you haven't like, you know, you're not seeing right. you're it not trying to think ever. It was like your husband your husband great he has needs i'm like he has a hand he'll I be mean, okay literally he porn is literally. free <laughs> sometimes yes sometimes. only fans i think you pay for oh yeah true <laughs> we should i mean shout out denise, denise? Who's making hey ton of fucking money. hey if i could i would i have friends who literally make like a hundred thousand dollars a month on only fans are and you I'm like, kidding me i'm not joking oh my god i need to put up an account for my knees or something if anybody has like an elbow thing i will 100 percent participate in that to pay my rent um listen dana this has been such a joy such a delight um i do want to just like mention the fact that obviously there is an enormous amount uh going on in the world and uh you know new york jew and palestinian texan I really appreciate you being here, and I can't imagine what you are experiencing um, uh, online, let alone IRL. And um, I think that when it comes to the ways that people sometimes share hate within the Bravo community, what some people are experiencing right now is essentially ungodly. And um, so I just want to send you full support. And I hope um, that your family is okay and is safe. And um, that uh, I totally stand with you. And, um, you know, there aren't many Palestinian voices within the Bravo community, let alone the Bravo content creator community. So I hope in the ways that content creators have leaned on each other for support at times, both personal and professional, that you're receiving that same support, hopefully from us. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate you so much. I know we've both connected. I, you know, checked in with you, you've checked in with me. Um, Honestly, as a whole, the Bravo community and the Bravo content creator community has been incredible. It's mainly the stranger I don't know, usually with a fake profile that has the <gasps> most fucking to say. dogs. And you know the what? Sky. I don't care. Like they can say or do whatever they want. 
I don't care. I don't know you, and you can say whatever you want about me. That's fine. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, who are I you? care. I, I think that the ways that people are sharing hate right now and relying on hate in order to project their own shit onto other people no, or they're just showing how ugly of a person they are. And that's mm. not about me. That's about them. You're totally it's right. not about you. It's not even about Israel and Palestine. It is about how ugly they are. And yeah. that's something that they have to live with. And I think the thing is that we're not as just like a society and as a world, there seems to be a lot of delight in not listening to each other and is assigning a level of stereotyping and racism and hate that is just um, incredibly unfortunate and dispiriting. And, um, you know, it, it's a little bit of a moment, I think, for some of us to just like take a little bit of a step back and just observe it because I think it's been just a a, a horrible haunting time for a lot of people who feel and are directly connected to the ways that um, the war is being discussed and uh, for lack of a better term playing out and um, uh, you know I just hope and caution people to really look at who you are following on social what they are saying what they are not and hopefully empathy is at the forefront of some of these conversations but I do also want to mention if someone especially if they're Jewish or they're Palestinian and they're not talking about it, please know that it might be very traumatizing for them. And they're probably talking about it in their private life. Like for me, my profile is not about me being Arab or Palestinian or anything like that. I have put just a couple posts up because I felt like I was being really, I was just being harassed about it. But it was more of it's traumatizing for me. I'm already having those private discussions and check ins with my Jewish friends with my Palestinian friends with with the people close to me, I don't feel like people need to virtue signal if especially if they're uneducated about the matter, but especially if they're Jewish, if, especially if they're Palestinian, if if they're being traumatized, like, please don't force them to relive some of their traumas. Because that first week, I couldn't even get online. I was like crying every day. Like, I just wanted to be left alone. Mm -hmm. So it's a great point. And one that I um, discussed on an episode that was like, by far the heart. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I can't get into it. But a very difficult episode that I recorded in the week following uh, everything happening. And it, it's you make so many great points. And, and one that I in try, attempted to make clear is the onus of responsibility on this should not be on Israeli, Palestinian, Jewish people to um, discuss. And the fact that that has shifted and so many people have felt that their friends aren't stepping up, that their loved ones aren't stepping up, that people not directly involved have decided that silence is the appropriate way and are, are looking for people who might be triggered and traumatized to have to use their voices because there has been so much silence. It's just incredibly unfortunate the ways that um, silence is seen now um, as an elective and in some cases a mandate by people who are not Palestinian and are not Jewish are not Israeli um, or um, you know are not a part of a marginalized community right. currently under attack it's it's unfortunate and I hope that um, it is a little bit of a moment for people to acknowledge that like if there is a creator that you follow or a friend that you follow who is Jewish who is Palestinian who is not, 
talking on social media does not mean they're not engaged in conversation and the responsibility of talking about this should not be on them. And what does it tell you that so many people feel like it is? That's that's really the, no. the thing to think about. Absolutely. And it was more not like, oh, she's just being silent and living her life. I literally wasn't even on. I wasn't posting anything because I couldn't even get online without just bursting into tears. Mm-hmm. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. I needed to take a step back. And then I got on and I said, I'm acknowledging all of these things. I'm standing with my Jewish friends, standing with my Palestinian friends and family, but please respectfully leave me alone. And you will not believe the amount of hate I got for that. Like, oh, you you want to be left alone, huh? You don't want to just keep talking. I was like, no, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it to a bunch of people I don't know. I just... I don't have the emotional capacity for this because I've just been struggling for the last week, the first week. Now it's been a couple weeks. I've been able to process little, not to say I'm not still re-traumatized and going through. You're managing. You're trying to manage. But now it's, you know, when you get a little bit more numb to it. But Mm -hmm. that first week I couldn't even be online and I just I just wanted to take a step back. And there are different ways that we process things. You couldn't um, imagine posting, which is something I absolutely 100% understand. I couldn't record. I was like, oh my God, I have to fucking record. Yeah. And I felt- I had to push back brand stuff. Like 100%. I was like, listen, I just like, can't right now. And also it's going to be disingenuous. And they're like, okay, whatever, fine. <laughs> and I feel like most people when it comes to companies or anything else, get it. Yeah. It's just people- who either normalize changing your mind based on new information, this genuinely might be new information that people weren't aware of or didn't recognize that like, just because you're not saying something, if you are a Palestinian person not saying something on social social media, imagine what it is that you are feeling, you know, offline, right? Offline also, spoiler alert, includes the world. You know, right, like there's right. there's other stuff happening that is unrelated to a person's DMs, but also just a snide cruelty has existed or, or you know, even um, some fucking bullshit that I've received in my messages because I, I uh, got a lot of support, but it's hard for me to go through them because every couple is something that's just so ignorant or same, hateful same. that it ta- it takes me it's taking me so fucking long and i used to be able to like like doing email i'm like going through my inbox responding to stuff like reading everything and i can't do that now because it's just uh so ugly and heavy everything feels very heavy and that is exhausting i know i am so thankful for my jewish friends that did also you know stand up for me like during this time when you know when I was getting especially a lot of hate like that whole reddit thing there was uh, just some bullshit that was on reddit yeah, that they, we don't need to yeah they they claimed i was anti-semitic because i they said i wasn't standing with the jewish people and i was like literally a post of me saying i stand with my jewish friends and my jewish friends actually made posts that were like if you actually knew her you would never say this about her and i was like thank you guys like we could solve peace in the Middle East, just the just us. Like, just they need to look at us. <laughs> just not Reddit. <laughs> Reddit's probably right. not the the Middle East peace accord. Um, mm-hmm. it's a place I truly don't understand. I Google it. I have to Google. I unfortunately had to join it to read something about either the Scandal or Beverly Hills Housewives. Like, 
you weren't allowed to like read the post without joining. Oh, they have to I was join. So annoyed. I was like, what the fuck? And then it's like, this is adult. You need to read this on the app. And I'm reading about like literally the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Like this, I understand there's like adult topics explored, I guess, in the idea of a person's adulthood. But we're talking about maybe like a restaurant closing or something. Like I don't think right. this is NC-17 what we're Unless, talking about. I don't know where Denise's OnlyFans on I there. I mean, I wish they were. I would love to see them. I don't. Sure have a dollar. Art, beautiful. I bet. Art. I bet they are. I bet. I. She. I really. There was some piece that just came out about cameo that I haven't read yet. I think it's the New York Times, um, but I haven't had. A, I just saw a cursory little summary of it, and um, and uh, a cursory little summary of it, and it said that Sonia was like in the top ten of any cameo, like not just Bravo, like anyone on cameo and that she's made at least a million dollars since she started a cameo. I can imagine because I feel like she would really put some effort. Oh, totally. She's and not even just like, she hi, it's Sonia. Right. No, she's Hello. always going to be like a little loosey goosey. Yes. Like she can't help it. So like, even if she's like fucking up a person's name, I think that's kind of like an iconic fuck right. up. Right. Um, and often the New York housewives especially are like doing them in the back of a cab or something, which I also think is really funny. Um, but I just wonder then if like Sonia's made at least a million how much is denise richards made like it has to be a ton right it has to be a ton like i'm telling you i have friends who make a hundred thousand dollars a month and they're not denise richards oh my god i need to get into the elbow knee industry you need to tell me to connect me to them they're they might not be specific to elbow knee but i think i can give maybe if not it exists knee. there's a guy that'll pay for it just Thank saying you. i believe this 100 percent women uh. I mean, Men will pay for it. Okay, so maybe my hands, I don't think are going to do anything. Not literally, but like literally showing a photo of my hands. <laughs> what I mean, like, I don't think that's going to. Maybe but like maybe your hand, like stroking phallically maybe, things like, like, God, like bananas. What if I feel you're like <laughs> very sexually. I would be so. <laughs> okay, but like, what if, what about, what what if, if that what if, could like get you get more Manila What I know, I mean, what if I get have a hair appointment? Is there is there a niche community that likes to see a person get their hair cut, the hair on their head? I bet there's one for like getting your hair washed, especially if you look I, like I'll you're like orgasming. <laughs> like you know, like like yeah. you know, they're like, I bet I'm so wet. Someone Google it. <laughs> You've made me so it's dripping. Like the oh water's God, dripping I down your forehead. Never, God bless anybody who's making bank at that. I am so jealous and that's incredible. And I could never do it. I, I really would be like doing like knock knock jokes. Like it's just not my journey in life. But what if you did them naked. <laughs> <laughs> who's <Yeah>. there? <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, listen, Dana, where can AGs follow you on social? Tell us all that and more. I really just have an Instagram that I'm actually really active on. And so it's at IG famous by Dana. I talk plastic surgery, talk procedures. I talk a lot of pop culture. Pretty snarky sometimes, but I think I do it with a little grace. I love we love a little smart a little snark here in the um office, the people's people's couch. Listen, um, some highlighted organizations I've shared on previous episodes of Andy's Girls that I'm going to leave in the show notes for this episode as well as resources, including the Palestine Children's Relief Fund, also known as the PCRF, and the Israel Trauma Coalition. You can find more information about those. Uh, organizations um, in the show notes for this, as well as some resources I highly recommend folks read. 
And there are tons of resources on my Instagram. I highly encourage that you read and hopefully share, including just the importance of language and of understanding and basic comprehension that Palestinians do not represent Hamas, which is a terrorist organization, and Israelis and Jews do not represent the Israeli government. Um, Things to keep in mind. before and possibly while uh, folks share hate on social and rely on really ugly stereotypes. Um, So that info and more, including also um, a guide to avoiding anti-Semitic and Islamophobic hate speech is available on my Instagram at Dame Galley. Um, And big news, Andy Scrolls Live this Thursday, Beverly Hills Housewife joining us. Crystal Kung Minkoff is going to be joining Ryan Bailey and I. So excited to talk to her about the premiere, about, oh my God, there's a lot to say. Also, I've some asked questions for her about Rena. So like, there's going to be a lot happening during that moment. It's an exclusive virtual event. You will not see it anywhere else but moment. And if you can't join us live this Thursday at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard 5 Pacific, if you cannot join us live, you get a week to watch. So help support Andy's Girls content creation, me attempting to get to fucking BravoCon and the cheapest the hotels go from $35 a night to like on other days, like the two days after BravoCon, but they're $500 a night during BravoCon, like the cheapest places. But you know, it's um, the Italian race cars. Per night. The F1. F1 is that same time during that same time. It's like, like you guys within just got weeks. Fucked. We got fucked. And also, I've never been to Vegas before because it's not my journey. But um, <laughs> all the fountains and shit are like, it's like completely under construction. So it's yeah. not even like you're paying a premium. Timing's not ideal necessarily. And I love Drive to Survive. Like I love sports storytelling and I'm obsessed. Shout out, Daniel. I know you're, you are. I don't want to compare him to Shannon, but he's just he's had some struggles in the past several seasons. But like, um, and it's so attractive. But uh, <laughs> you're, it's not even like you get to see like the glitz and glam of the outside because a lot of it is shut down because they're building a fucking bajillion dollar track or whatever. Yeah. Um. So supporting the Andy's Girls Patreon where you get exclusive bonus episodes and so much more is a great way to support the pod at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. And if you are able to join us for Andy's Girls Live, we'd love to have you. Tickets are $12. I'll be joined by Crystal Kung Minkoff and Ryan Bailey, of course. And the price goes up day of. So we hope to see you on Thursday. And we are halfway to our tickets goal. So if you are thinking about joining us this Thursday, I mean, with a Beverly Hills housewife, what is holding you back? Follow me on Instagram at Dame Galley. Dana, thanks for flying uh, to New York specifically and solely to record this episode. I so appreciate Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, this was the highlight of my trip. Like, why wouldn't I come here? God bless. Just for this. I mean, we love it. We love when that happens. Thank um, you, Sarah. <laughs> so I'll be sending you a bill. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> The write-off is spiritual (laughs) in the closet. That's how that goes. Guys, I hope you are all doing well. Thank you so much for listening, and we will chat with you soon. Bye-bye.